This fan base is amazing. The city of Cincinnati is amazing, and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Desmond fakes a handoff, runs to the right. He's got all sorts of room to the 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! Bearcats! 25, for the middle of the field at the 35, and he is gone! Trey Tucker will take it 98 yards to the house! Ball poked away by DeJulius, diving on the floor to grab it is Oguama. Bounces it for Lockett, fires ahead to Adams Woods. DeJulius for three, good! Cincinnati has scored 17 straight! The one-handed catch, hands it off to Marcus Jones. He has tackled it to 34, it. and it is over! Zero losses, zero doubt. Opportunity seized as the Bearcats send a message to the college football world. Did you see that? Hello, listeners, new and old. Welcome back to your favorite Bearcats podcast, Viva La Cats. I am your host, Justin Hiles, accompanied by my great friend, Steve Maurer, and we are here to bring you the very best of the Bearcats every single week. Make sure to check us out on Twitter at VivaLaCatsPod and follow us on Spotify, Apple Pods, or wherever you listen. Make sure to check out at UC Uniforms for all the up-to-date uni tracker info from Steve. And we have a very uh, critical episode here because this is going to be the last episode before the Bearcats play in the college football playoff. Steve, I have to ask you right off the top, how are you feeling? I thought you were just going to say it's the last episode of 2021 and you're just ready to move on. And, uh, get well, to that too. <laughs> uh, there's a football game happening this weekend? No, okay. I, I, I Never mind. I, I don't want to do that bit. Uh, scratch that. But I'm very excited. I'm anxious. I'm terrified. I'm also like pumped. I've talked myself into 15 different avenues of how this game has gone. So just like any other Bearcat fan, um, I I think I'm about the same. So yeah. I think uh, <laughs> if you haven't overanalyzed this game in your head since the moment it was announced. Uh, you're probably a um, you probably got better things going on in your life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got more interesting things to do. So, but this is this podcast, Justin. You and I we're here to serve the fans that have uh, just those Bearcat questions rattling around in their brain all the time. So. Uh, to the, all those diehard fans and to the, the, the casual to diehard fans, we welcome you. To the friends to casuals, if you're listening, we welcome you too. Uh, we want more and more diehard Bearcat fans. Absolutely. I have to say, um, I've definitely been on the same page as you here. I have been um, overly hyped and um, a little uh, headstrong going into this game and thinking that we're going to just take it and we're just going to run through it. It'll be nice and easy. Alabama's not going to be a problem. And then, you know, literally 10 minutes later, I'm like, well, shit, this sucks <laughs> because we have to play Alabama. And so I think everybody's kind of in the same position where we're like, it's just this mix of nervousness and confidence and trying to figure out where we sit on the scale um, is just uh, it's hard. It, it definitely racks your brain all day long. And every day that we get closer, um, the more and more that you're thinking about it. So um, it's just I, that we've gotten out of the routine of a weekly football game. To yeah, watch, that too. Down and discuss. And it's just been 
all the anticipation from Bearcat Nation building up to it. And I think there's a lot of people who are just going to be happy to see the Bearcats play on such a big stage. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to be upset, maybe, if the Bearcats lose. Obviously, everybody would be elated if the Bearcats win, but there's yeah. just so many different emotions going around right now. And, like, for the players, though, I think it's just, like, the pressure's off right now. Like, right. so in the Notre Dame game, like, they kind of had the pressure taken off of them because they were just, even though they were favored, it was at Notre Dame, and they kind of played like a little bit, I wouldn't say carefree, but, like, they, they played freely, and they played without seemingly any pressure on their back, and they played great that game. And I'm hoping for something similar to happen in this game. Yeah, and, well, this is a good time, then, to bring up um, the ever-so-interesting uh, tweet and article that came out today um specific or i guess yesterday actually uh was from at aaron Suttles. he's um, a writer for the athletic uh, and he covers alabama i found this really interesting um just the tag on the article says alabama players heard all year long how they weren't as good as previous saban teams they weren't so they used it as fuel against georgia now they aren't eager to give up the underdog role can mighty Alabama play the role of the underdog? Yes and no. And I just find this so, <laughs> so hilarious. And like, I get it. Like, this is this is great for this guy because like this kind of writing is definitely like a thing that pulls people in and definitely gets clicks because you're going to get all the Cincinnati fans who are like us who are like, come on, man, are you kidding me? And then you're going to also have all the Alabama fans that are going to be like, you know, that are going to be like, well, we're still going to roll Cincinnati by like 40. And and so, you know, credit to that guy. He got the interactions, I guess, that he wanted with it. But regardless, I just, I, I can't fathom how any Alabama fan, writer, player, or anybody can see themselves as the underdog in this game. Like, I'm not going to go play, you know, who's who or, you know, who's who's going to be the underdog in this game. I'm not going to do that because ultimately I think we're coming into this game the same way that Alabama is. And we have a bit of a chip on our shoulder. And for us, it's the, can we play up to par? Can we play with the big boys? And for Alabama is, can they win against the teams that they're supposed to win against, especially when it comes to a game like this. And so I get, there's so many mixed storylines here, but if there's any storyline to take away from anything going into the Cotton Bowl, it is not that Alabama is an underdog or that there's any realm of possibility that they can be. It's just, it's dumb. Like Alabama is, I don't understand it. I, I don't get it. So here's the idea though, like from their standpoint, obviously there's no one that compares to them in the past decade in the sport. They've been the best team, probably the best dynasty probably ever in college football, maybe other than those 50s, Oklahoma Sooners teams that like won 100 straight games or something. Other than that, I think it's been like this past decade of Alabama. They've had the best players ever. They've won a lot of national championships. And at some point, like you got to keep up in the level for yourself to get yourself motivated just as a program. And I mean, it's definitely like laughable on the outside, but Saban's got all of them whipped up into thinking that. And I think it's funny. I, I think it's great. And uh, because you know we deal with this a lot in our backyard about how Ohio State thinks they're like 
their shit is gold, you know, and everything yeah. they touch turns to gold. And if it's not Ohio State, it's not right, you know, all that stuff. And Alabama's just even at a different level. So, as a side note to that, um, the official Go Bearcats Twitter account on uh, Monday tweeted out the for fans to wear black, and uh, a lot of Alabama fan accounts took that as a slight uh, and saying that you know, oh, Georgia wore black 12 years ago, and they kept tweeting out the video of their Alabama strength coach back then saying, like, they're wearing black because they're getting ready for their funeral. And, I mean, I know they probably weren't going to know who we were and what our fan traditions are, but the team is wearing white jerseys, black helmets, and black pants, and we wear black to every home game. Or, like, you know, just every, usually every game other than the Notre Dame game, fans are asked to wear black. So I I think that's just another thing where, like, and for those big college football fan bases and probably college basketball fan bases to an extent, anything that is not like incredibly pro that their team or their coach, yeah, seen it's a slight against them. And like, they got a large enough army where they can rationalize themselves into thinking that without, and it's almost at a point where. They're competing against themselves, really. I, I and, was just about to say that. <laughs> well, and it's just, I think it's stupid because, like, one, it's a fucking color. Uh, sorry. Uh, the, the the language is coming out this week, Justin. Put the explicit tag on it. Like, I'm. That's fine. I'm I so had plenty last up. week. <laughs> <laughs> I know I wasn't going to say it, but uh, sorry. Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's funny to think that my mom even listens to this, but hi, mom. <laughs> uh, well, and the, this, the other thing, too, is that, like, I. It's kind of a level where you almost have to respect it that they have defeated every possible foe or person in their way to become the best college football dynasty of the of probably the history of college football where mm-hmm. they need anything just like Michael Jordan he needed something on an any given night to just piss him off even if he made it up and even if he made up a story about another guy who loved him but said like oh that guy was talking shit to me I'm going to go off on him just, right. to, just to give him the motivation to go off. It's a level where like only the greatest can achieve that, where they have to manufacture adversity for themselves. And while I respect it as a hater of all things, Alabama this week, I'm like, Oh, come on, like get out of your <laughs> own head. Like this is a football game. Like, we, they may have more talent than us, but you know, it, this is not like all that you've cracked it up to be. This is a football game. I don't think really other than that one TikTok guy uh, who stepped on the yeah. Alabama shirt. I really don't think UC fans are talking trash per se. Uh, and let me know if you've seen anything different, but I think we're all like confident for sure. But I don't think we're like going out there and talking trash and saying like, we're going to kick their ass or anything. I think you know what the challenge is. And uh, we'll, mm. we'll break it down in just a second about like the a couple keys and ins and outs of the game, but like it just, I, I think this is just when a machine is operating at its highest level, like Michael Jordan in the '90s uh, and Alabama right now, or you know Tom Brady mm. in the 2000s with Bill Belichick, they need like they they are basically competing against themselves, and they need any form of adversity they can manufacture to like keep that machine going. Yeah, well, that's actually I've got an interesting question for you because it kind of comes based off of what you had just mentioned about, um, of course, manufacturing sort of this uh, any kind of hate or rivalry that they can. But to the same point, I'm curious, 
Alabama clearly doesn't know who Cincinnati is. And I, maybe they're just, you know, hanging out with their sisters too much or something. I don't know what it is. But regardless, I'm curious. What do you think Cincinnati is like in Alabama's eyes? Like as a, just as a program? Because I'm curious because what we would look at like something, I, I guess the same way we had this conversation about the... Um, the American expansion and bringing in teams like Rice and UAB and all that. Do you think we're in that realm where people from Alabama are looking at our program like that, where they're like, well, shit, like these guys are bottom of the totem pole? Or do you think they actually have some respect for us? Because I, I don't know. Because everything that I've seen online so far from at least the fan base is just like, it, it feels like you're talking to Ohio State fans and it's it's just annoying. Like, I, I don't know. I'm curious if you've seen anything that tells you yeah, otherwise. So, but so what worries me is that in the future, like I, what worries me about like the idea of a college football super league, and this is an off-season pod, we're going to talk about it. But it feels mm-hmm. like for the ten fan base or for the ten teams that have been at the top of the top of the sport over the two thousands, like example, like early two thousands, Miami, USC, to now, yep. uh, Ohio State, uh, Alabama, uh, Notre Dame. Um, Clemson, uh, even LSU, it seems like those top of the top programs and fan bases, like they don't even care about like the lower level teams in their own conferences. Like they are competing yeah. against those top yeah. 10 recruiting rankings, basically. Like, you know, they, like, they're competing against those other schools in that top 10. And like, that's what worries me about like the possibility of a, a super league is that like, it's not even really like you care about who's in your conference anymore. It's like, are we recruiting better than Ohio state? Are we recruiting better than this or that team? Like, are we better than the best teams in the sport? And like right. that worries me. But like to me, uh, and I, I'm kind of stealing this take from uh, Stephen Godfrey of split sun duo. But um, I, I think a lot of Alabama fans are probably thinking about us as just like, Oh yeah, we're just like a no name school, like G five school, like uh, upstart run of the mill where a lot of people think like, you know, we, Justin, like a lot of, before this recent run of like UCF and us, a lot of those teams that made the, the, like the BCS bowls or the new Year's six bowls were kind of just like fly by night processes where they were running a lot of spread and they were just kind of beating teams with new offenses that hadn't been seen before. Yep. um, I hate to give them credit, but UCF and now us, these, uh, those two schools were programs they were built and they had the talent like UCF's got a ton of players in the NFL right now. UC's got some from last, the last couple of years. And we're going to about to send a ton of players to the NFL in this upcoming draft and uh, free agency cycle. Um, the, the thing is that you're probably more on the level of an Alabama now than ever. Like other teams have been before. I would say we're probably, one of the best, if not the best, group of five team. Well, obviously, one we made the playoff, but two, the level of talent is definitely uh, on par with like a like a mid-level SEC team or like a high-level ACC team or high-level Big Ten team. We've got yeah. like we've got dudes, you know. We got first-round right. picks, second-round picks, like day two guys. We don't have just a bunch of guys that where it kind of just all lucked together in one year. This has been a program that's built, been built over the five years of Luke Fickle's tenure here. And mm-hmm. I don't think Alabama sees that. I think like, you know, I feel like Alabama's kind of an older fan base, whereas UC might be a little bit of a newer, a younger fan base with like a lot of people Definitely. who came on in the nineties, you know, um, 
like for Alabama, they probably a lot of their older fan bases and like you know they pass it down to their younger kids. Probably see us as that same team that they beat in like the seventies and eighties when we were just like mm-hmm. nothing at all as a program. Like we were no momentum, nothing. And there's like I think the we've scored in five previous meetings against the Crimson Tide, we scored twenty seven combined points, and that's probably what they see us as. Like yeah, a, you know, and I think. I don't think UC fans should take that as a slight because I'm sure Alabama sees everybody else other than LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, now USC, Oklahoma, like any of these playoff era teams that have been in it, they see everybody else as kind of like below them, you know? And like obviously Alabama yeah. is the cream of the crop, rise to the top, uh, house of pain jump around. <laughs> but um, I, th- I don't think we should take that as a slight because I feel like for that level of, of program, they see everybody else as lesser than well and that's definitely a good take on that too because i think i think it's interesting to be again like i've and that's goes back to our point about you know the whole idea of underdogs in this kind of game is like we are definitely the we're, we're i don't even think it's a question we're the best g5 team like that i don't i think that at this point you can't there's no there's no other team that has an argument like i think the playoff is the mark and we made the mark and that sets us apart from literally every other G five team in history. That's just the way that it is right now. Um, you know, maybe another team can prove that wrong at some point, but as that stands, we have the resume, we have the strength, we have the team, the recruiting, we have the coaches, we have every single part of that story knit together. And now we just have to see how it plays out in the college football playoff. Which again is this Friday. We're playing in Arlington in Jerry World, um, and the Bearcats have already arrived. Um, it looks like they're getting comfortable there. Um, haven't you know? There's not a whole lot of brand new news out of it. Um, the only other interesting thing I wanted to point out, um, two interesting things I wanted to point out before we move on to sort of what the keys to the game are, um, was one the updated COVID rulings. Um, this specifically pertains to the college football playoff and not for other bowl games. Um, other bowl games have started to be eviscerated by the Omicron variant, um, which actually I will get to in a little bit uh, with our conspiracy corner this week, which um, our voters and our polls decided that is what they wanted to hear about. So I have a nice stew for you there. Um, but regardless, the new COVID rulings um, basically create an auto forfeiture if a team can't play. Um, whereas with other bowl games or other games throughout the season, um, you might have a chance to um, play at a later date, or there might be some kind of, you know, sort of um, waiver rule where like you can just kind of hold out for a few more days. That is not the case. If you can't play at the start of the game, your auto forfeiture, the other team goes straight to the uh, national championship, which I find very interesting. Um, because, um, I think we started to see some news. I'm trying to remember exactly who it was or what it, it might've been out, like Alabama coaches or something. Um, uh, but there was, was some uh, Bill O'Brien, their offensive coordinator, and then Doug yes. Marone, their offensive line coach, both were asymptomatic, but tested positive. I did see that Bill O'Brien had his news conference this week. So they're both in Dallas and, um, yeah, just, yeah. So they're both there. Yes. So. But again, it, it does create a sort of realm of, um, you know, inquisitiveness as to how that will play out because now we're on, 
we're at Tuesday and we have a grand total of three and a half, well, two and a half, three days until the game is played. So I think it'll be really interesting. Um, hopefully that we just go straight to the game and there's no problem. But regardless, um, there is a case where either team could just be sent straight to the championship without ever um, having to play the other team, which would be the first time that's ever happened in playoff history. But again, we're hoping and praying that doesn't happen because the last thing that I would want as a Cincinnati fan is to a give Alabama the green light. If we were to have a problem, God forbid, or the other flip of the coin is we go to the national championship game and we got there because we didn't play a COVID riddled Alabama team, which would suck even more. Because as much as I would love to play in the national championship, we would get the fucking Mickey Mouse ting that everybody gave in like the NBA bubble um, for the playoffs last year. Um, and it, I don't know. It, it just that would that would severely annoy me. So I'm I'm really hoping that everything goes smoothly there because I don't want to have to deal with that. Asterix. I don't want to be one of those Asterix teams. I want to be the team that goes to the national championship and gets there because they deserved it and because they earned it. Um, so hopefully that's the case. Last thing before we move on to that, um, there was a quote that came out from our boy Jerome Ford. The uh, Jerome. The what? Jerome. Jerome. Rome. Eight one three. I think that's his at. I think that's like correct. That Rome eight one three, baby. Um. He had said that he was tired of being called the Alabama transfer, which I think is very, very fueling for anybody who is just trying to look for any kind of extra motivation going into this game. Um, because he said specifically, I'm tired of being called the Alabama transfer. I am a Cincinnati Bearcat. And that is just like, oh, I tweeted this out, but I, like, it makes me want to run through a brick wall. Because it's so cool to like have a player who's come from a team um, of that caliber, and of course, like this isn't a game where we're playing against each other. But regardless, to have a team player that comes from a team of that caliber and say, "Nah, I don't care. That's not my team." It's like the thing is, is like it, it feels like the same conversation as like with Joe Burrow that we know this conversation so well as Bengals fans and as Cincinnatians that Ohio State keeps trying to cl- claim credit for Joe Burrow because. He was there. He like basically never played there, went on, and then he had success, and they wanted to claim credit later. It's awesome to see like from a player in our program saying, nah, fuck that. Like, this is my team. I'm not, I don't rock with them anymore. This is a business trip. We are going to go, we're going to go play this game. We're going to do our best to win. But this is my team. Like that, that just makes me feel so good because Cincinnati is a program that like people care about and the people in it and around it um, sort of nurture that culture and foster that culture of trying to be a winning team and to be a team that people and their fans and their players uh, that they care about and they want to play for and they want to watch. Um, and it's not just some bandwagon team like Alabama is every year. Like that's cool to me. So I just wanted to point that out. I don't know if you had anything else to say about that or if you just want to jump onto your keys, but um, no, uh, other than just, he is not a man of many words. I think yeah. uh, after the uh, championship game, when he was handed the MVP trophy, the presenter was like, Rome, uh, and went into this long, uh, prompt about uh, his game, yeah. and, like, the championship. <laughs> and he just responded with, 
felt good. <laughs> yeah, I forgot <laughs> so about that. Like, felt good. Yeah, so, but for him to say more than three words in like a press a setting like that uh, shows you actually how bothered he was by that. And uh, yeah, he like uh, more credit should be given to Cincinnati instead of Alabama. And like that's a cool thing. So, mm-hmm. um, speaking of Jerome, uh, he's gonna come up here in my. Uh, we need a car sponsor for this because I feel like every <laughs> keys to the game segment before a game is sponsored by some kind of dealership. So uh, maybe we can work the phones and try and get a dealership on board. Maybe call like uh, Mr. Sweeney or somebody. I, I used to work <laughs> at a Kelsey Chevrolet, so maybe I'll talk to them. <laughs> Give it a shot. We could yeah. use some ads. Uh, so this will be keyed as Steve's onward to victory keys to the game. Um, so I have four and I'll bring up a little points, and then uh, we'll we'll move on to the listener-voted segment. Um, but it's the four keys for me, Justin. Desmond Ritter needs to be a perfect Desmond Ritter. Uh, he needs to evade sacks, uh, throw in, throw good incompletions, don't throw interceptions, don't fumble the ball, use his legs when he needs to, make great throws, basically play like almost a perfect game, similar to what he did in the UCF and Notre Dame games, like. He's yep. got to be really good. And I think we've got a chance. Um, Alabama can't, has obviously good players all over the field, but they've shown a tendency to be able to th- be thrown over. And it, like a deep threat like Alec Pierce or fast guy like Trey Tucker or Tyler Scott, if we can get those guys involved and in going early in the game and then Des can take off and use his legs, I think he needs to, as I heard one person say, he needs to have an out-of-body experience. Uh, yep. He needs to have a... Um, a 2016 Clemson quarterback number four kind of experience. We can't really say his name because he's a bad guy, but uh, I think <laughs> if you look up number four from Clemson quarterback, you'll know who we're talking about. <laughs> so, um, to beat Alabama, I think Desmond Ritter needs one of those games. I think Sauce needs to follow Jamison Williams. So follow him means uh, what what you think it means. It means just like he's covering him the entire game. If Jamison Williams has to use the restroom in the third quarter. Sauce Gardner should be with him, like right behind him in the urinal, you know, like just right next to him the whole game. <laughs> UC is not known for doing that this year. Usually Sauce has stayed on one side of the field. Um, but I think Sauce is the, not that Kobe would not be a good matchup with uh, Jamison Williams, but I would say that Sauce is our best corner, um, our most like talented corner. And we need to give him a shot to really show what he has against Jamison Williams. Because you know he's going to get the ball because John Mechie is unfortunately out for Alabama. Uh, third, zero mistakes. This means no fumbles. Uh, Jerome Ford did fumble once in the ECU game. He might have fumbled at another time this year. But uh, no fumbles, no false starts, no offsides, no interceptions, no dumb plays, no personal fouls. Like, I mean, Obviously, there's going to be a couple of those because what's a UC game without at least one offside or false start penalty? Like I, it, I don't think we've seen it for the past ten years. You know, it's it's very five hard to do. False starts, yeah, <laughs> more like uh, five. Yeah. Um, if we can avoid those at any cost, that would be huge because uh, this will lead in my into my next point. My last point: we need to build an early lead. Uh, the great thing about the Notre Dame game was that we were up 17-0 at halftime, and it felt like 
he had already controlled the game, even though there yep. was still a hole I have to play. 17 points, it was a pretty big margin to come back from, especially against our defense. And right, like now Alabama's likely not going to uh, be as mistake-prone as Notre Dame was during that game, but if we can find a way to get a turnover, get a couple stops, because if they come out on their first three, dri- three drives and score three touchdowns, that's just going to be hard to come uh, come back from. Like Even though we have faith and trust in our Bearcat offense, that a three-touchdown deficit against Alabama is, is just hard. So we either need to keep keep pace or get out to an early lead. So, uh, we'll, Justin, we'll, uh, do you think we're going to do our predictions? Um, l- let's plan on doing our predictions and releasing those on Friday. But um, yep. I, I, obviously we, we both think the Bearcats can win this game and they have a chance. Mm-hmm. But I think in those four keys, like those are obviously that's not shock the world uh, on any of those. I think those are all pretty commonly known. But for people who might be curious about what is the actual nuts and bolts and may right. not have seen that, I'm kind of like aggregating those, but it's also, I feel like it's, those are at least like smart things to say and it's not completely dumb. So there we yeah, go. No, I agree. I think, I think my biggest thing um, in just off, off of what the things that you just said um, really down to, to me comes down to offense. I think we can trust our defense um, more than anything and obviously we trust our offense in every game but we also have to remember this is the first game that we're playing this year that the Bearcats are not favoring um, and that obviously just comes down to the prowess of Alabama and their consistency over the years um, and of course their talent and their roster but regardless um, I think it is really important to make sure that A. Des is using his legs and B. that we uh, use every single weapon on our offense because I think what happens sometimes is we really get locked into one player. Um, you know, for a couple game stint, Josh Wiley was the only target. And then for another couple game stint, Alec Pierce is our only target. And so, like, we need to make sure that we're using all parts of our offense and that you have to, Alabama has to be scared of Dez's legs, Jerome Ford, Alec Pierce, Josh Wiley, Trey Tucker. Michael Young, like they have to be afraid of everybody and they have to make sure that they cover everybody and they can't, they can't let us create any gaps. And I think if we start to try to rely on one or two or three guys to uh, pull through, it's just not going to happen. I I don't believe that's going to be the way that it's going to work for us. I think we need everybody to be working on all cylinders. And then I feel pretty optimistic about this game too, because I feel like uh, without the Georgia game, if you take that uh, data point, out of Alabama's season, they kind of looked beatable in a lot of games. Florida, yeah. LSU, uh, Auburn. The Auburn game was <laughs> the biggest outlier, and um, I think that's another big thing too. You know, because of watching that Auburn game and seeing Alabama come back right at the end, like this has to be a sixty-minute affair. Like we can't yep. post after uh, getting out to an early lead. Like we need to keep either keep scoring or keep having productive drives that at least burn time off the clock because. Alabama has the ability to score quickly. They don't really run the ball that well. And uh, while we have run the ball better as of late, I don't really think we're going to be able to run the ball that well against uh, a stout Alabama defensive line. And uh, mm-hmm. Will Anderson, who thinks the Tide are an underdog somehow, <laughs> the best best player on the team, but he thinks they're an underdog. But uh, it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be four quarters. It's, I think it's going to be a fight. I don't really think it's going to be a blowout on either side. Um, and I'm I'm excited. Me too. I mean, I think this is, uh, if you're a very confident Bearcats fan, uh, throw some money on it. 
I mean, you know what they say, never bet on your own teams, but I can't imagine I'd have to look at what the numbers are, but I'm pretty sure if you threw some money on the cats, you'd probably make a good chunk of change. As long as you save um, up enough money for your national championship ticket. Yes. Which if if you're going to the cotton bowl and you're already spending the money, um, or if you're not like me, spend the money like me on the national championship tickets. I I'm I figured why the hell not. So um anyways, it is time for our conspiracy corner. Uh, this has to do with a couple of the things we've already mentioned, specifically reaching into the bag of bowl games. Um, it's been an interesting bowl season so far. Uh, there's been plenty of games that have been played. There's been a couple upsets. Um, there's been teams like UCF who have beat Florida for the first time ever um, in what you know everybody sees the American as this small, weak little conference. It's actually starting to put up some wins against SEC teams, no matter what their record is. Interestingly enough, I have to say, the ultimate momentum killer for the Power Five conferences is the American Athletic Conference. This is Conspiracy Corner, and I have to drop in the music. Something right here. i got to bring back the X-Files music. I'm going to bring it in. So, here we go. The Military Bowl, canceled. The Fenway Bowl, canceled. The Hawaii Bowl, canceled. You know what the common denominator between all of those bowls is, Steve, right? They all had American Athletic Conference teams, Justin. Absolutely, they did. Of the four bowl games which have been canceled so far, three of them have included AAC teams. The Military Bowl, which included East Carolina, would have been a great matchup with Boston College, whom we've also played ourselves, but we'll never know. The Hawaii Bowl, where Memphis would have played, which is arguably just a vacation for the teams that are playing in it, but regardless, it turned into an abrupt vacation upon cancellation. That happened. And the strongest of all the AAC teams, other than the Bearcats, those teams kicked out of bowl season, also included SMU, who is to play Virginia in the Fenway Bowl. Boston College and Virginia are ACC members, and Hawaii is of the Mountain West, which also included cancellations with their conference mates, Boise State, in the Barstool Sports Bowl. In a tin hat string theory, I find it incredibly possible that the ACC saw the spike in COVID cases with the Omicron variant and instantly saw a way out of a beatdown by their ghost conference, the American. The ACC is not a football power conference. They like to argue that they are, and they're given the benefit of doubt with the perennial Clemson CFP bid, and they ride on that strength of basketball to carry through the mud. The ACC is not what it once was, and upon cancellation, they've developed a bit of inferiority complex when compared to the American, with the likes of Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston, and more going to the Big 12, making a lot of noise, and more schools becoming household names. The ACC is beginning to move into the shadows, and now their death grip, which holds on to the life of Clemson with every last little bit of strength, is finally too weak to carry on. The American has surpassed the ACC in football, and with that, Cincinnati, now in what has always been Clemson's place in the CFP, have found their way out of total annihilation. 
And the key to that is forfeiture. You can't lose if you don't play. So why let the little guys in the rest of the conference, which has a shadow that grows ever larger over top of yours, have a chance to play, which could send you into the abyss. As further evidence, the ACC, the Atlantic Coast Conference, is down bad. Here's a quote from Sports Illustrated about the championship games ratings. Down real bad. Down real bad. While Alabama's 42-24 win in Atlanta brought roughly 15.2 million viewers, according to Showbuzz Daily, the ACC championship between Pitt and Wake Forest was the least watched championship game of the Power Five conferences with just 2.6 million viewers. The AAC pulled in nearly three and a half, which also happened to be at the same time as the SEC championship game was being played, which included a top four matchup, which had implications for the CFP. But even so, for the American, these are good numbers. What we really have to pay attention to is the fact that the ACC was the fun, electric conference, and it had a chokehold on all their viewers all across the country for the past three to four seasons. But they had the arrival and departure of Zion Williamson, who brought in millions of viewers every single game. They graduated all the electric plays of Lamar Jackson, they retired Roy Williams, and now so quickly after, the victory tour for Coach K and Duke. And lastly, the juggernaut of Clemson, which rode so high for so long with Dabo Sweeney and our friend Trevor Lawrence, has now fell through the cracks with the departure of Trevor Lawrence. And the ACC is in a frantic search for stardom, which they can't seem to find anywhere. And once again, the American has come swooping in to stomp out the last embers of life in the ACC fire, and COVID is their only way out. I believe that the ACC canceled these games, and they were the ones who wanted out, because everybody knows that no American team wants out of a game against a Power Five conference. The ACC was a scared, scared little conference, and now they will forever live in the shadows of their former rejects. And while those rejects, like Cincinnati, stand in the limelight of the CFP, the ACC has to sit at home and watch. That is my Conspiracy Corner. I hope you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, Justin very good work i'm very proud of you <laughs> um uh, uh the cfpn on uh will be calling you shortly to welcome you into into their club uh the cartel <laughs> is currently working on shadow banning you um i think i'm getting too close to uh, uh bad terms but uh i i did enjoy that justin good job <laughs> thank you i um I you're not wrong either i well the thing like and of course all of its jokes but at the same time there's a little bit of truth in that too because i think that it's really interesting how the acc has been such a like um not necessarily like a power conference but has been like the like i said like the fun conference like there's just been so many like big players who make all these huge highlight plays there's all this noise about the acc they might they might not have five, six, seven teams that are just rolling through everybody every year, but they have fun teams to watch and they have fun players to watch. 
And for the first time this year, when it came to football, and now I think even basketball, which you can argue the ACC is not at the top of its game. We're looking at like a conference that just isn't what it has been. And I think that the American has had so much extra limelight this year because of Cincinnati. It just, and, and, and because of Cincinnati and Clemson not being at the top of their game, and they have to rely on Wake Forest and Pitt to be their like their football teams that bring in the money and the viewers. Like that just isn't going to happen. And I think that I think it's just really interesting to see how the ACC is just. I don't think it'll be a consistent thing. I think they'll probably jump right back on the wagon. I think Clemson will be in a good spot next year. Um, you know, losing a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence does a lot to your program, um, and not necessarily a positive way. Um, but I think that it's regardless, it's interesting to see the ACC slip a bit and the American be in such a prime position. And also, like the Pac-12 is not necessary. You know, the Pac-12 has fallen through the cracks too, with Oregon and Utah sabotaging those their season like everybody's just kind of ate away at each other and the big 10 and the sec they get to be the stars of these shows and i think the bearcats get to be the ones right there behind them and the big 12 sabotage themselves too so i think it's just really interesting to see how these conferences break down but regardless i still think it's very interesting that three american teams did not play in bowl games which really sucks because I did want to see all of them beat up on some Power 5 teams. But anyways, I have um, one quick point that I want to revisit from last week, which was the Under Armour drone show. The drone show was very interesting, of course, and there were some cool pictures from it. But ultimately, I still think that they've forgotten about the Bearcats up until this point, and I have proof. I did some digging through Under Armour's Instagram, and I thought maybe, just maybe, that I was making too big out of, of a deal out of UA putting us at the top of their podium after they cut us last year. And I thought I was being an ass, and maybe I was too worked up, and I was really just having fun last week ragging on UA because, you know, why not? Of course, you have, again... But now you have the documents right here. You've got the yes. documents. Yo, yes. Jonah Jameson, you've got the documents in your <laughs> You have been served, Under Armour. <laughs> Whether or not any of that is true, the interesting fact that validates my entire argument is that Under Armour's football account on Instagram posts an average about one to two times a week. Under Armour football has posted about the Bearcats four times since December 5th, when we officially made it into the final CFP bracket. What is most interesting is that up until that point, the last time that Under Armour posted about the Bearcats in any form was in September of 2019 when we unveiled the college football 150th anniversary throwback uniforms, which again were sweet. I'm not going to rag on them for that because they did a very good job with those. Regardless, before that was one post in August of 2019. And before that was one post in October of 2018. So there have been a grand total of three posts about the Bearcats on their football account over the past three seasons. And in about two and a half to three weeks, they've posted about us four times. I just find that my whole point and my whole argument has been completely validated because <laughs> they post about Notre Dame. They post about 
St. John's a lot, which is really interesting to me. They're All-American Bowl, all this other kind of stuff. They're NFL athletes, all their sponsored athletes across different sports, whatever. I mean, of course, this is a football account, so it's really just football. But regardless, they're pro athletes, anything. But they haven't posted about the Bearcats. But now the Bearcats are their pinnacle team. The Bearcats are the stars of the Under Armour show. Under Armour is supporting this huge, momentum-filled Cinderella story. And yet, where were they when we were still doing good? Why are they here now? I'm throwing my hands up. I got a, I got a lot to get out, but that's that. I just, I had to air the dirty laundry. Where, where, where do they get those drones? Like, hey, that's what I'm like, saying. Where the they, fuck they did just, those like, come have from? Drones on retainer somewhere. I, I don't know. I mean, of course they're gonna run them out or do whatever. But like, regardless, again, for a company that's down so bad that they had to cut like what, like over 200 probably probably close to like half a mil if not more in uh sponsorship contracts last year they seem to be doing well enough to throw together a drone show which i just find it's just dumb to me like i just want to justin i just want to know if they felt like they had to like back us up or if they were like doing that all willingly like i want to see the tweets from like december 5th 12 46 p.m congratulations to if there's a tweet saying like congratulations to go bearcats fb or if it's just like oh yeah it's the week before the playoff and uh oh hey there's an under armor team in there i guess we should just kind of shout them out you know um and i i think it's funny that they're kind of like being like well like if they're gonna wear a jersey i guess we kind of have to do something for them and i i think it, it's that my theory that they have they feel like they have to do it is kind of funny and um, i'm just choosing to go with that so so I agree. Uh, I they're they're just uh they're a bunch of phonies, you know. They're big, fat, phony, phony. <laughs> Under Armour, you suck. That's all I have to say about that. Don't let the um, door hit you where the good Lord split you. May the door kick your ass, and may <laughs> um the rest of COVID hurt your sales. Those terrible Steph Curry thirty shoes. Although Steph Curry has been on a little bit of a tear, but he's really good. Anyways, regardless, we're going to focus on basketball real quick. Uh, this is our last point for the night. Um, Bearcats basketball really does not have a lot new to talk about. And I think that kind of goes for a lot of teams across college basketball. Um, we'll start with this. So last week, um, I believe right after we recorded our pod, I'm trying to remember exactly when we did, but we recorded, I believe, on Tuesday. That's when we usually record. The Bearcats played Tennessee Tech. And we got to see our old friend Mamadou Diara back on the court in fifth third, albeit in a different jersey. It was a 76-67 to 67 win in which Tennessee was shooting quite efficiently. Um, regardless, the Bearcats still came out on top, albeit a, what, nine-point win? Um, Mike Saunders had 15 points. He led the Bearcats. And Mamadou had 15 points, leading Tennessee Tech. Um there really isn't a whole lot of storyline or headline to this, but I think, again, I'm I'm not going to say I'm disappointed, but I guess I'm a little disappointed that we didn't win that game by more. I don't know what it is, but... And, and I'm not going to argue, you know, at the end of the day, a win needs to be a win, but it still feels like we're not beating the teams that we need to beat by a lot more, by a lot more. <laughs> 
we're we're that's winning these games by like a 15 point margin and i'm not going to be the one like i said who argues that it needs to be like 40 points or we need to blow them out of the freaking water but it just doesn't look convincing to me yeah, i think that's fair and i think it's also just like the idea that like we could we've had better stretches but they don't really kill off games uh, with 13 mm-hmm. minutes left to go. They kind of let the other team creep back into it. Um, that was the problem with the Monmouth game where they crept all the way back and won the game. <laughs> like So without that, the Bearcats are 11-2. and They're 10-3. and Like other than that Monmouth game, they've really been about like maybe a little bit over expectations. Uh, I wonder if the John Brandon era has changed expectations at all for UC basketball fans. But um, I, I mean, I... Justin, I've I've made my thoughts clear about Wes Miller, but to anyone who doesn't know, I love Wes Miller. Um, I would already die for him, uh, and I believe that um, he needs a statue dipped in gold outside of the the arena. No, maybe not that far. Um, but I've already loved the passion and the energy he's brought back to UC basketball. Um, he's made me fall in love again, once again, with defense. Um, maybe we can uh, use this time that we've had a nice little break order to shore up some defense shore up some help hopefully get a couple guys healthy and fully operational again because i have a feeling this houston result is not going to be the last time that uc has a game postponed hopefully because there's no covid cases in our program um and i i i am just i'm not hoping for other covid cases but if there is going to be a cancellation um, i would like to see it be the other team and not us yep. that's kind of a weird way to say that but um I, okay, I'm going to back out of that weird spot and keep <laughs> rolling uh, into the next point. But other than the Houston games uh, and the games against Wichita and UCF Memphis, I think the Bearcats have a really good chance to beat up on the bottom six of this conference because the yep. top six of Ken Palm are, uh, is including us in UCF, Wichita State, Houston, Memphis, uh, and I'm blanking on the six team, but uh there's all six of those teams are above 100 on Ken Palm. The rest of our conference is sub 150, which is not yep. great, you know. But I think that gives us a good chance to really rack up some wins. And like I, I, I would say, we probably wouldn't be on the bubble with only 20 wins. Maybe if we get a couple Houston wins, maybe a Memphis win, that would maybe get us closer to the bubble. Um, but if you're sitting around 21, 22, 23 wins by the, the time selection Sunday comes out, uh, I think that's really a like you would that would be a 12 and uh, that's correct. So that would be like a 12 and six record in conference. Uh, maybe you make it to like the semifinals of the conference tournament. Uh, I think that would be a really good thing and like. I would show just, you know, Wes Miller kind of took a team, a ragtag team, and got them all the way to, like, say he gets to Saturday the conference tournament and then gets to the NIT. I think that's a success compared to where we were last year and how bad the team looked at times. I think that's that can only be seen as a, as a success and only get better as he brings more players in, brings more transfers in. Um, but right now, I think he's either meeting or exceeding expectations. I, I would agree. I think that he is absolutely meeting expectations. Um, I think it's just from a uh, diehard basketball fan in general, not even just a Bearcats basketball fan, but just a basketball fan in general. I really want to see this team start tearing up a bit more. Um, and 
that's I guess where my standpoint comes from. But I do agree, he's definitely meeting expectations. Um, I just I want to see the train get rolling a little faster. But again, uh, Rome wasn't built in a day, and so we have to give them some patience. But regardless, they've been winning the games that they've been or they're supposed to win. Um, you know, regardless of the Monmouth game, but. Aside from that, um, I just have one question for you about Houston before I bring up um, one other point. Do you think that do you, do you think that we kind of, it, it's a blessing in disguise to have the game against Houston canceled? Um, because I think, I mean, personally, I see us going from uh, let's see our s- schedule straightforward: uh, FAMU, Ashland, and Tennessee Tech. Um, two teams in like sub 200, 250 probably of Ken Palm, and then a D2 school, those three straight, and then run straight into number 12 Houston. I think that it's just kind of nice to skip them and go straight to Tulane. Uh, Justin, I'd be lying to you if I would say the expectation for me going into that game uh, would be anything better than losing by 40 points would be an upgrade <laughs> from the yeah. past uh, year of Bearcat basketball up against Houston. So, um, but I agree. They, I think they got Tulane at home on, on Saturday uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully we'll be celebrating a win over the Crimson Tide uh, and the football team will be welcomed back with a, a, a raucous uh, round of applause at halftime of that basketball game. I think mm-hmm. I love that, by the way, it's just like how, like, you know, when the, like a team comes back like during like the next basketball home basketball game like yeah. there's a big roar and they lift up the trophy it's a, that's a big college sports thing that i like um but i think that's i think you're right uh, that would be a tough challenge uh to come off and uh, offense to west but i think even with a week of preparation like he had for the xavier game much better team than us is probably still going to punk us this year and that's okay We've got it, uh, especially on the road, and that's okay. First year, I didn't really expect much. So, but I agree. I like it, and uh, we're, we're going to ease into it. Eventually, we'll get the '70s throwback uniforms, and we're going to look sweet in those, regardless of the result of the game. So, um, but I, I agree. Avoiding Houston isn't the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I think the only downside to not playing Houston is not having any like direct. Um, Bearcats versus Cougars tape to play and review for when they play Houston later in the season, but um, at home. But either way, I think that, again, it's still a good thing. Um, The last thing that I wanted to point out before we uh, tail off for the night is something that's very cool that has happened over the past week. Really, um, it's a side effect of a lot of COVID cases starting to ravage the rest of uh, sports in general. Uh, but the Bearcats are starting to make a bit of noise in the NBA. And I think that that's super fucking cool. Uh, Jaron Cumberland, who I feel like is it was just very quiet since he's left UC, has not really made a bunch of noise. Like, everybody was trying to see where he'd end up in the draft, if he'd get drafted. Um, eventually, he would go undrafted, and then... It just seemed like we heard nothing about him. And then all of the sudden, um, he dropped on, I believe, December 21st. I'm trying to remember exactly what day that was. He dropped 21 points at the end of the G League's Winter Showcase, um, getting the MVP honors for that. 
uh, scoring 17 points, 10 assists, and 10 rebounds. Um, and I don't know. I think that itself is super cool. But then what happened after that? The next day, Trayvon Scott got the call up to the Cavs to play in the big leagues. And with that also came Lance Stevenson, who got the call up to play for Atlanta. Of course, Lance has been in, been in the NBA for so long, um, but he had like a season or two off. And after he was played for the Lakers, um, he, you know, just kind of fell off the map a bit. Um, and he ended up back in the G League. And then next thing you know, bam, he's signed by the Hawks. And so now that's another Bearcat in the NBA. And actually, I made I, I mis- made my mistake here earlier. Jaron dropped that uh, triple-double on the 21st. And then the next night in the final game, um, he scored 24 points, had eight rebounds and six assists with five three-pointers in the, eight, uh, in the G League's Winter Showcase, which earned him the MVP. Uh, regardless, I said right after that, put him in the NBA. Then what fucking happens? Only a few days later, I believe it was three days later, he gets the call up to play in Portland for the Trailblazers. And then last night, he got to play. And interestingly enough, on the uh, last night, we both we saw both Jaron Cumberland and Trey Scott. Or sorry, now I'm getting really confused because I'm trying to manage three different people here. Trey Scott got his first bucket um, two nights ago on Sunday night against the Raptors um, towards the end of the game. Nice little pump fake at the top of the key. Goes straight down to the bucket and scores. And it's just awesome because he finally got that break to play in the NBA. I'm super happy for Trey because that's just a huge, like, huge uh, move forward in his career. So that's super cool. And then we see last night, Jaron, the first time that he gets the ball, he goes right down with the, through the court in transition and just threads a pass through two players straight through to get the points. You know, it's late in the game, but he got to play. It's his first NBA assist, and then he also got his first NBA bucket, which also happened to be a buzzer beater at the end of the game, albeit it was like a 20-point margin. Regardless, he still got the shot off, so he got his first assist and first bucket in his first game. I just think this is super cool because, you know, with... With Gary going in and then out and Jake, you know, going, uh, what, 27th in the draft to the Warriors, there was, like, so much noise with that team. And then all of a sudden, just, bam, silence. Like, Jake was out of the league. Gary was in the G League. And, like, there's just kind of nothing moving. Lance wasn't playing in the pros anymore. Like, it just felt like there was no Bearcats noise in the NBA. And then all of a sudden, over this past week, week and a half, you know, albeit because of Omicron variant problems, whatever, all this stuff. Now we have a couple Bearcats playing in the NBA. So when I turn on the TV at night, I can go chime in to whatever game and watch the Cavs or watch, um, which Gary, I believe, also was called back up. I'm trying to remember who he was called up to. Can you help me out here? I'm trying to remember. I don't know if he's called. Huh? Pelicans, the Gary Clark Pelicans. Pelicans. Yes. And so Cans, Gary baby. is also back um, up to the top. And so that's, you know, that's four players right off the bat who are now playing um, in the NBA again. So like I said, I, that was a cool point that I wanted to bring up. Um, I think that'll be interesting to see because I believe at least I'd have to look into Lance, Lance's contract. I think Gary got called up on maybe a two-way 
I'm not sure, but I know for sure Trey and Jaron were on 10-day contracts. Um, that's, you know, again, because players are sick, they need to fill in their roster, so they need somebody for those games. Um, but it'll be interesting to see um, if maybe they get an upgrade in contract, maybe that goes to a two-way deal. We'll see how that pans out. Um, but regardless, they're going to have a couple shots at uh, playing some games. So I'm excited. I um, My NBA team is the collection of Bearcats that are in the NBA. So <laughs> uh, my NBA team has grown uh, by threefold in the past week. So good for those guys. Hopefully they can keep balling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so if you're a Bearcat fan, which if you're listening, of course you are, unless you're maybe the 1% that might be an Alabama fan who's just trying to check and see what this is all about. If you're an Alabama fan, we welcome you to listen more. Maybe you'll turn into a Bearcats fan because you're just a bandwagon fan in reality. But regardless, um, that's all we've got for you today. Um, hopefully you guys had a safe and fun Christmas. I have one last thing before we leave. Steve, what was your uh, favorite gift for Christmas? Um, um, my girlfriend uh, got me AirPods. So that was, uh, that was cool. I'm going to look like a, a, a really cool guy. But actually, no, um, her uh, sister lives in Germany right now. And uh, my last name, uh, for all the you who are listening, is, is uh, Maurer, spelled M-A-U-R-E-R. But uh, in German, the word M-A-U-E-R is uh, builder of the wall or like kind of like bricklayer. That's the translation to English. Okay. And uh, so her sister is uh, au pairing in Germany right now, but she's back for the holidays. And uh, got me and Emma a uh, piece of the Berlin Wall uh, with uh, that, na- that name Maurer, M-A-U-E-R, on it. And uh, I thought that was pretty cool. So that's awesome. Um, that was like a really significant gift. So cool. What about you, Justin? Did you get anything cool, crazy fun? Um, hmm. I'd say the coolest thing I got, um, I was uh, gifted a rough rider. For those of you who aren't familiar, that is a, uh, that is a hand long rifle, uh, made by, I believe I'm trying to remember. I'm going to blank on that right now, but regardless, <laughs> Um, it's a revolver and it's sweet. So I got one of those. That's actually, um, a first for me. Um, can't wait to try that out, uh, the range, but that was a cool gift for me. So other than that, I oh, think... was that your red rider BB gun? No, rough ride. This, this, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I was making yes. a Christmas story reference. No, I, 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 I I was like making a response and then I realized what you're saying. <laughs> I realized what you're saying. Yes, that was my Red Rider. Uh, and I did look at it the same way that uh, Ralphie looked at it with his big golden eyes. So happy with his gift. Um, but regardless, that's all we've got for you, Bearcats. Um, whew, we're going to have an episode, quite an episode, uh, for good or for bad <laughs> next week. Um, we might do. Uh, if we if if the Bearcats win, which we're hoping we we do, I think we might have to string something together <laughs> over the weekend. Maybe we'll let it simmer and uh, see what happens. But it'll be interesting to see uh, what we do with that. But regardless, we're hoping the Bearcats come out with a massive dub and go straight to the national championship. Um, if not, you'll probably hear from us next Wednesday, as you usually would every week. But with that said, again, hopefully you guys had a safe holiday. If you're traveling to the Cotton Bowl, travel safe, uh, stay COVID-free, and um, cheer on the Bearcats. Hopefully we get that big dub. Any last points from you, Steve? No, uh, roll cats, beat Todd.
Roll cats beat tide. Roll cats. That's all you need to know. Cats by 90. If we win, smoke them if you got them. Smoke whatever you have if you got it. Drink whatever (laughs) you have if you got it. It doesn't matter. It could be a 100-year-old vodka with a snake in the middle of it. That could kill you. Just drink it. You got to party. Couches will burn. Couch. I want to see a full couch burning. That is my last quote for the day. I want to see couches burning Clifton if we beat Alabama. Not even going to national. Not even talking about the national championship. I want to if we beat Alabama in the Cotton Bowl and go to the national championship. I want to see a couch burn. That's all I have to say. Have a good week, folks. Have a safe holiday. Of course, it's going to be New Year's. And take care. Go cats. Roll cats.